Hello, you're listening to the C to Z of movies. My name's Colin. I am the C. Uh, with me, as always, is Zijan the Z. Hello, Zijan. Hey, Colin. Have you been enjoying the nice weather we've been having? No, I have not. Um, I have uh, have an exam coming up in a few weeks, and I have been sat inside uh, trying to learn perturbation theory. And uh, I'll be what? honest, I'm not doing very well at it. It's, <laughs> it's tough. Um, is this one of the self-deprecating things and then you'll be scoring like 100 on, on that as well? Um, so the exam, I think I'm feeling pretty good about, but this particular chapter, it's a perturbation theory, is just one chapter of uh, advanced mathematical methods, which is the exam I'm doing. And uh, I th- I'm thinking I might steer clear of those questions when they come up. I've not even heard of it. And I think I'm pretty well versed with mathematics, but... Huh. Uh, well, I'd never heard of it until now and I got a maths degree. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. If you want to hear my spin-off podcast, Perturbation Theory... I don't really understand a lot of it, so it's going to be a bad podcast. You have zero listeners on that, do you? That's why. <laughs> yeah, it's just me going, why is that the answer? I don't understand um, <laughs> quite a lot. Uh, uh, so no, I've not really been getting out much, uh, unfortunately, and uh, I don't think I'll be getting out much for the next few weeks. Which is good, because you have more time to spend on this podcast. No, not really. <laughs> I'm not sure how much time you think I'm going to be spending on it um, no. above, above average. I'll be honest. Most of my research and it was done in the the forty minutes before we started recording. So oh yeah yeah, everyone knows this, Colin. Apart, apart from the news, the news has been carefully uh, gathered uh, over the last few weeks. Well, last few weeks, two, last two weeks. Um, uh, but before I say that, we're, we're doing today films about Hollywood. Um, we're also looking back at the film Amadeus. We've got a quiz about Wes, and- Wes Anderson films, which I'm I don't think we've done before. <laughs> um, I did check. Uh, but it sounds first, familiar though, doesn't it? It like, does sound so familiar. I'm um, pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, check, I check the spreadsheet, but maybe, um, I don't know, maybe I checked it wrong. I don't know. Uh, but we start as ever with news, and we can guarantee this is news that is new unless it's repeat news, which we quite often do as well, actually. Um, we do. So there's a bit of Spider-Man news coming on. Um, Sony, as you know, are just cramming the... the they're pulling all the Spider-Man B-listers as part of their uh, Spider-Wars. Mm, B and is generous, new, yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> and the new one that's coming out is uh, a spin-off series called Jackpot. Spin-off. Very good. Very good. Yeah, I know, right? So Jackpot, I don't even know who Jackpot is until <laughs> this news came came to me. So um, apparently she is... Uh, uh, she was born Sarah Everett. She gained powers after she was exposed while pregnant to an experimental genetic cure for Parkinson's. Uh, which left her comatose for four months. She then emerged with enhanced strength, stamina, and durability. Those sound quite boring powers. Um. Yeah, very generic powers. But one thing which I found very interesting, this was that when she was first introduced, her identity was originally a mystery. Oh, yeah. Um, but she had red hair. And her Ooh. spider connection, Spider-Man connection suggested it was Mary Jane Watson to begin with. And the name Jackpot came from the most famous... Uh, Panel Face it, Tiger, you've hit the jackpot. Exactly. Coming from Mary Jane Watson it's herself. So it was all a big red herring in the end, but that nice. was red how herring. it came nice. out in the first place. Oh, yes. yep. Red herring. Puns after puns, Asia. I know, killer. right? <laughs> On a roll. <laughs> so um, listeners of the podcast will be familiar with my um, my complaint, my beef um, with the most recent Spider-Man films that MJ, Zendaya's hair, is not red. Uh-huh. Uh, this also seems to throw into into confusion the jackpot origin because they'll be like, it must be MJ. She's got brown hair. <laughs> Is that what's going on? But I, I don't think MJ in this series said that line though. That's true. Uh, she's not said so that. She knows. I, no. It was said in the Kristen Dance. I'm pretty sure Kristen Dance said it, right? 
She never said that. She she called him Tiger a few times. Ah, uh, um, but not that But she never, so. she never said you hit the jackpot, which is... It, it strikes me as a... It shows remarkable self-confidence. Um, no, I mean, no, because this was not when they were dating or anything. This was... Uh, she would say that at the beginning of a blind date that they were having. But it, exactly. I mean, if you rock it to a blind date and, like, face it, you've hit the, you've hit the jackpot. That's... I mean, she she was a budding actress, right? And I think she yeah, was one she, of the most popular girl popular girls in school. So she's not um, wrong. She's not wrong. But um, there you <laughs> go. I, I don't. I, I'm not going to deviate into a blind date technique because what, what the hell do I know? But um, there's also uh, more developments on the Madam Web film. I think I can't remember. Yep. Uh, I, I, the whole Sony spin-off. They strike it's... me as films that won't happen. If I'm honest, it's like. They've they've announced a few that didn't go anywhere. Was it black and silver was going to be a thing? And no, I I know what you mean. Like it's not, it's not getting me excited at all. To be honest yeah. with you, like that's the thing. They can't dig the Spider Universe for as many films as they can make from it. Because to be honest, the whole point of Spider Man is we came we we watch films because of Spider Man himself. He's the most yeah. notable character in it. He's the most famous yeah. character. In I mean, it, so. I know superhero films aren't big business, but most people are not going to see a film because it's based on a comic. Exactly. I, um, I agree. So it, you might go and see a Marvel film because you know that Marvel films have been have been very good in the past, but which is not going to get you into a Sony film. But I think if, if they've been building to Sinister Six for for forever, but no one's going to watch it. I mean, no one's like, yes, Jackpot's on the Sinister Six, are they? That's Is she a villain? No. Jackpot's not a villain, no. No, she's not. She's a okay, hero. Right. In which yeah. case, she's not going to six, but maybe, maybe there'll be a a league of their own, as they said at the end of um, at the end of Justice League. <sighs> speaking of which, Stephen. Speaking okay, of which, okay. Uh, we never thought this day would come, and indeed it hasn't yet. But it will next year. Um, the Snyder cut, there's Zack Snyder's uh, cut of uh, Justice League. I feel like I speak on this to this to death. It's coming. Um, really? Yeah. Wow. So they, we we did, I mean, there's been, I said we didn't think this day would come, but there have been enough hints, I think a few, well, quite a while ago, a few months ago, most of the, the leading cast tweeted it, released the Snyder Cut. Uh, a lot of angry people on the internet uh, want this to come out. HBO Max is coming too, which I think is a HBO streaming service that we don't yeah. have in this country. Um, they're apparently getting 20 to $30 million dollars well, Zack, Zack Snyder is uh, in order to finish the film because uh, his cut is not finished. Uh, I think it's mostly, if I may be exclusively, uh, effects and music and stuff rather than actually any reshoots. Fair enough. Uh, I could be wrong, but I think I, I'm, I'm not. I haven't seen any suggestion of reshoots. Uh, I mean, we've talked about this as you say a lot, but um, Zack Snyder made uh, two DC films, um, Man of Steel, which I thought you were going to add some adjectives to that. <laughs> Man of Steel, the first half is good, the second half is terrible. Uh, Batman Museum, man, it's all terrible. I don't know why anyone thinks this is going to be good. But, um, no. I'll watch it, if I can. Will you watch I'm it? I'm not on the edge of my seats for that. I, I, I'm guessing if there's a lull in film, which it, which it could happen because, you know, the film industry has been on hold as well. well I may hmm. watch it. Yeah, I, I was coming out next year, so I'm not sure quite how we would watch it in this country. Um Sure I would rush to see. I'm sure, the BOA, but it won't. I don't think it's getting a cinematic release. And uh, I mean, 2021 is probably going to be filled with those films that couldn't get made this year or couldn't get released this year. So, um. well, following along the line, I heard that David Ayer was asked to reveal uh, release a Suicide Squad cut as well. Oh, was he? Yeah. By whom? People. Like fans or by the? Like fans, yeah, I think so. Right. Um, okay, it's not yeah, a studio. So, 
No, not not that I'm aware of. Um, I I clearly didn't think it was important enough to put it yeah. in my. <laughs> He's my been quite um been quite open on Twitter and stuff about saying that basically the the, the well yeah you're not throwing people under the bus or anything but kind of saying this wasn't really exactly what I wanted to come out. I yeah, there's, there's no way that's happening. I don't think. I mean, no, it? it wasn't a great film. Yeah, I'd much rather see. The, I, I want to see the Trank because of Fantastic Four, because uh, the finished film was utterly terrible. Uh, but I, I, I'm interested to know how much of that was because they tried to cobble two films together. I, 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 give, give me the Trank cut, his kind of body horror, uh, much, much longer film that got torn to shreds. Well, speaking of a film that no one cares about, oh, yeah. the New Mutants have another release date. <laughs> Yet again. Hey, August 2020. August 28th, yeah. Uh, so not so still this year. Um I, I did. Did I say so? I've been saying for a while. Why don't they just put? Why yeah, on Disney Disney Plus. Disney Plus. But apparently, uh, they they're not allowed to. So the de- for some reason, the deal they signed with Fox means that the streaming rights belong to HBO. I think. Huh. So they can't stream it on Disney Plus. Then to, put guess, it put it on HBO. Then it's not like HBO is allowed. Um, yeah, because by August, I don't. I think people will still be fairly uh, wary of going to the cinema. I think I will, though. Like, if things ease up in July... Um, yeah, I think I, I think I will. I think my Tenet is the first one, first big film that's coming out, I think. Yes. Uh, I think I'll go to it, but I, I'll definitely be thinking twice. Uh, before going to the cinema, I wouldn't, I'd probably go less than I did before. Who's going to go and see this? He's, he's going to be like, yeah, there's a bit of a risk involved, but yeah, I definitely want to see new music. And apparently, from, well, not apparently, because it is, but it, it, from the trailers, it doesn't look that bad. It looks like it might be good. Um, but we'll never know. We'll never know. We'll know in August, maybe. Yeah, it's not coming out in August. <laughs> uh. We've got a film called, called Methuselah coming out that um, apparently has been gestating for a long time. It's about a guy who becomes. Very, very old. Well, it's basically just lives for a very long time. Named after the character, well, the person, uh, Methuselah from the Bible. Um, but it's uh, Danny Boyle has signed on to direct. And apparently uh, Michael B. Jordan is also attached. Oh, nice. Uh, so I don't know much about it, apart from the very high-level premise. But uh, that's, a, that's a good team. So that'd be interesting. Okay. Um, there's, so for Game of Thrones fans, uh, Peter Dinklage and Jason Momoa are teaming up again uh, in a vampire buddy movie. Oh, yeah. Called the Good, Bad, and Undead. So Dinklage will play uh, Van Helsing. Um, so right. one of those vampire hunters. Uh, I think he's one of the uh, descendants of Van Helsing. And uh, Jason Momoa will play a vampire who vows never to kill again. And they partner as con artists. So basically, Jason Momoa's character will will start terrorizing a, a village until a bounty comes out on his head. And then Peter Dinklage's character will come in and claim the bounty. Okay. Yeah. And yep, that's the premise of the film, which I think uh, is a little twist on the whole vampire um, yeah, storyline. Okay. So could, could be could work. It could work. Then both of them. Well, Jason Momoa can do a bit of comedy. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think what I've seen him do. I mean, I guess he had some funny bits in Aquaman. But yeah, he. Stro- I, I definitely remember seeing him being funny. But maybe that was an interview or something. And well, the only picture uh, Peter Dinklage comedy I saw was Pixels, and that's awful. Ooh. So yeah, I know. I know. You said he's got that that um that thing with Josh Brolin where they're playing brothers coming out. Oh yeah, that's true. So yeah, that was a low point in my life. <laughs> wow. 
I've not seen it. Uh, it's on Twitter. Not Twitter. It's on Twitter. It's on Netflix, I think. No, CJ, I've previously let slip that uh, Disney Plus has not uh, not astounded me. It's not been the great great streaming service I thought it might be. But maybe things got to change. Maybe everything is changing, CJ, because uh, Hamilton is coming to Disney Plus. I know. I saw that. Mm, uh, I have not seen Hamilton. And to be honest, I probably wasn't going to. But everyone loves it. Including, you've seen it, right? I love Hamilton. You, you yeah. love Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, they're not made a film yet but uh, this is a film of the stage show which I think actually was filmed uh, to an empty audience so they could get cameras yep. over where they with, with the original cast as well so. Cast. Yeah. Uh, so in July on Disney Plus uh, we will be able to well not we oh, I will uh, be able to watch Hamilton Do you I, I think I think you should watch it Colin I know you think you you're, you know I'm not keen on the idea because it's all rap music and all that but it's not all rap music yeah, I'll, I'll watch it I'll watch it yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's really good he, Lin-Manuel Miranda is a very clever lyricist He's he's uh, much loved. I've seen him obviously in Mary Problems Returns and in an episode of How I Met Your Mother and in some Brooklyn Nine Nine. So uh, uh, he was brilliant, Brooklyn Nine Nine. Mm, mm, <laughs> um, speaking of good TV series as well, um, oh, yeah. the Community Wait a minute. movie. No, okay. might happen. Um, yes. What 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 well, have you heard? The cast came together to do a Zoom call and table read, which I saw, which was brilliant. Yeah, uh, I saw that too. And That's I've been too. watching lots of community recently as well. I think it's one of the best things to watch uh, in, in this uh, lockdown. It honestly. came to, to Netflix recently. I also like, watched all of it uh, recently. It's so good. Yeah. So so good. So meta. The humor. It's just brilliant. Um, so at the end of the Zoom call, they asked for a show of hands who would be on board for a community movie, and the whole cast raised their hands. Um, I think it was teased at in <laughs> I was teased in the community series to be fair. Um in season two, Abed, uh, played by Daniel Pudi, was saying that, you know, all his favorite shows will get six seasons and a movie. Mm. And at the end of the series finale, which is, was also the season six finale, um, it ended with a title card, hashtag and a movie. So this has been uh you know, all the all community fans want this to happen. I want this to happen. Yes, uh, on some. Yeah, yeah, so isn't it, I think um, this is the power of Netflix. I mean, you, putting it on Netflix means that you get a whole new audience. You get p- people like you and me who've watched it before watching it again. You kind of get the groundswell. And while yeah, I could never really see them getting a, 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 a cinematic movie, but I can definitely see them getting a Netflix film. Oh, it'd be so good. I would love to see them back again. Even seeing them in the table read, honestly, is so good. Hmm. I want to think of Cherry Chase. Um, Donald Glover is the man who they always like saying, well, can we get Donald Glover to do it? Can we get... Because he's a busy man. He is. He's doing TV series, he's doing stand-up, he's doing music, uh, he's appearing in films. Lots of things. It's probably fair to say the rest of the cast are not quite so busy. Uh, Alison Brie is in Glow. Yes. Jim Rush does stuff, I suppose. Uh, yeah, Jim Rush does stuff. I was watching, um, there was a YouTube video about all the... Uh, community people, uh, community cast in MCU films as well, mm, and they yeah. realised where they were. Huh, I didn't know. Okay. Yeah, because well, the, the Russo brothers uh, were involved in Community. So. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of Netflix, uh, Reese Witherspoon is coming to Netflix to produce and star in two romantic comedies: um, Your Place or Mine and The Cactus. Uh, the character is apparently based on the best-selling book that I did not bother researching in any way. Uh, <laughs> so, well. Uh, what do you think the cactus is about? It's a rom com, right? Yep. Um, uh, do you see this? Is why you don't put me on the spot? about <laughs> this thing's coming. Okay, but. I think I think what's um, I think Reese Witherspoon is a is a successful businesswoman, but she's prickly. She's standoffish. She doesn't make friends easily, and she's cruelly nicknamed the cactus by her colleagues. 
That, that uh, sounds like half a dozen rom-com films. Well, exactly. Uh, until one day she meets the man who melts her inside. Much like, like a cactus. Like, much like a cactus. <laughs> yeah, this film writes itself. This is amazing. <laughs> Um, your place or mine is about uh fishermen um i don't know i've i've misspelled place um that's a that's good that's good i'm here all week yeah (laughs) that's actually pretty good uh the tom hanks there's a tom hanks film that's going straight to apple tv for those who don't know apple apparently has a streaming service uh, out there yeah, I, I was aware of it because um, Hayley Steinfeld had a TV series called Dickinson on it. And I follow her on Twitter and she was going on about it. But, um, uh, so yeah, Tom Hanks is a World War II drama called Greyhound that is going straight there, apparently. Which um, he has written as well, I think, or is directed Yeah, he is. The screen, screenwriter for the first time since Larry Crown, apparently. Uh, mm. I don't know about Larry Crown. Uh, I don't think it was very It wasn't big. I think it was... Um, critics. I think he starred alongside Julia Roberts, didn't he? Mm. I remember seeing them both on a motorbike in the uh, yes, trailer. Yes, that's how I remember all yes. that, yes. <laughs> all right. Uh, yep. I wasn't planning to... I, I, to be honest, I got, I got bored during the trailer. <laughs> Sorry to Tom Hanks. Um, so I'm not sure I'll be rushing out to get Apple TV in order to... I don't even know how you would get Apple TV. Do you need to no. have... Do you need to have an Apple TV? Are they still making Apple TVs? I have no idea. I have no idea. There are way too many streaming services to keep on touch up. Um, You know who's doing it again? Roland Emmerich. Um, You remember him from films like Independence Day 2012 and The Day uh, After Tomorrow. I think he did all of those. He basically does films where stuff gets destroyed. That's his thing. Uh, Uh, He's doing it again in a film called Moonfall, uh, which Josh Gad and Halle Berry are on to star in. Ah, okay. Uh, presumably the moon is falling to Earth or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's going to be that. No, no, actually, I actually have the premise for the film. Oh, yeah. Um, Gad takes the lead as a ragtag ensemble. Nice. Destined to be shot into space to combat an orbit-displaced moon. Yep. Yep. It's, um, yep. <laughs> yeah. Roland Emmerich, I think, um, he hit he hit gold with Independence Day and has, has not quite managed that since, it seems. Um, Josh Josh Gad, I like, but uh, well, I guess you've been you've been um, tainted by watching Pixels, which also starred oh, Josh yeah. Gad, didn't it? Um, exactly, yeah. And Halle Berry's career has not quite reached the heights it used to. Oh, he's not. No, but yeah, who knows? Yeah, mm, um, good luck I'm not going to rush off to watch this either. No, so. not, I don't think I'll see it. Uh, <laughs> nice. um, my last bit of news is to do with uh, Mission Impossible Seven. Mm. Uh, so Nicholas Holt uh, is not the villain anymore. He's out. He's gone. He, he's gone. Uh, because uh, I think there were some conflicts now in schedule because everything's been pushed back. So mm. now there are scheduling conflicts for him. Uh, S.A. Morales is replacing him. Uh, I don't know him. I think he's more of a TV actor rather than a big yeah, screen I've, actor. I've never heard of him. But, um, but also, uh, director Christopher McQuarrie has also revealed that the said villain character is set to appear in both MI7 and MI8 via Twitter. So some people think this is a spoiler because obviously this may suggest so that the villain die. Yeah. doesn't die. Yeah, exactly. Well, it could be um, um, could be flashbacks, I suppose. It could be, yeah. But yeah, for you know, it's another red herring. There's so many of them out there now. 
Mm, yeah, never believe anything he says. I uh, got a few bits and pieces. What have we got here? Um, uh, you remember uh, the Martian uh, as based on the book by Andy Weir. Uh, yeah, we're going to get another fil- another film based on a book by Andy Weir. Uh, I don't know what the book. I'm not sure the book's been written yet, but um, it's maybe it has. Uh, about an astronaut, it's starring Ryan Gosling, and it's going to be directed by Phil Lord and Chris Miller, uh, which sounds uh, like a great combo. I'm, I'm, you did you ever see First Man? No, that's the Ryan Gosling film, right? Mm. Mm. So it wasn't brilliant. He played Neil Armstrong's so real life, but um, and this obviously isn't. But uh, Ryan Gosling is doing the astronaut thing again. Um, Scarface is being remade, um, which I think we already knew. Uh, it's, but it's going to be by Luca Guadagnino, who you will know from directing Call Me By Your Name. Uh, yes. So he'll, he'll be directing that, and apparently it's based on a Coen Brothers script. So interesting have you seen Scarface I've not seen Scarface no I've got it on DVD and I've not yet seen it uh, so I need to need to watch that uh, but another another remake because there was a 1930 something film uh, of Scarface as well uh, and last thing um, Legally Blonde 3 <laughs> is now going to be scripted by Mindy Kaling and Dan Gore um, Dan Gore of The Office fame Mindy Kaling also of The Office fame yep um, but more recognisable than Dan Gore I think uh, which is a good team. I don't know if Mindy Kaling and, and Reese Witherspoon have worked together before, but I feel they have. I don't know um, what that's based on. So I have never seen Legally Blonde 2. No, me neither. But I love Legally Blonde, the first one. It's good fun. Yeah, it's a long time since I've seen it, but uh, uh, I, I seem to remember being good. Linda Cardellini's in it. I'd forgotten that. Uh, oh. I saw a video of her going through her most famous roles, and, um, and Legally Blonde was one of them. That's all the news we have, so we move on to our next segment to see or not to Z, when we tell you, the listener, about the films we've seen and whether you should see them or not Z them. Yep. Uh, Zijan, you've not, obviously not been to the cinema, but have you seen film? Yeah, I have. I've seen a couple of films. So the first film I saw was Beetlejuice. Oh, yeah. The 1988 film uh, by Tim Burton, starring Alec Baldwin, um, Gina Davis, Michael Keaton, Catherine O'Hara, Winona Ryder, all very, very young <laughs> in that film. Um, God, I, I want to watch this because uh, I heard so much about the hype. It's gotten a you know a huge following with the juice, and there's also a Broadway musical about it as well. Um, yeah, what surprises me was obviously Beetlejuice Juice doesn't appear till like halfway through the film, almost towards the end of the film. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm not sure whether you've seen it before, Colin. I have not. No. Yeah, um, I don't think it's that great of a film. Probably because like all the comedy is very dated. Uh, it's supposed it's touted as a superhero natural comedy as well I didn't find it very funny at all oh, right. um, and the special effects are definitely of the 80s um, mm. yeah it's it's not pleasant to look right now uh, you can definitely tell there's a green giant green screen <laughs> out there um, so I mean for those who are curious to know what it's all about you may want to watch it um, you know this is a very Tim Burton-esque film but uh, I found it a bit dated so Okay. For juice. Um, the second film that I watched this morning which I found really funny was uh, Tropic Thunder mm. uh, it's on BBC right now um, on BBC iPlayer so you can watch it right now um, I've not seen it before um, I've heard very good things about it so I wanted to check it out and uh, it's good fun directed by Ben Stiller starring uh, Jack Black Robert Downey Jr. as an Australian playing an African American mm. uh, <laughs> Not sure you could do it today. <laughs> no, probably not. Uh, it's quite recent though, the film, even though... It is quite recent. Well, yeah, what, 10 years old? Maybe a bit more. Yeah, yeah, but I think he can get away because it's more of a parody rather than anything else. So. I, I think, yeah, it's one of the things that I think is absolutely fine. I mean, I'm, maybe I'm not the one to judge, but um, 
I think today there'd be a huge Twitter outcry as soon as the first like set photos are released or something, and it would mm. be swapped by that. And Probably, yeah. Like, but I also find I really enjoyed the film. I find it really funny. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, I didn't love Jack Black in it because I thought he was he was over the top, uh, as he often is. But I, I thought he was kind of totally not not great. But the rest of it, I thought it was very good. Mm. Don't learn the lines. The lines learn me. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> love that. Um, what script are we? Uh, I've seen a few things, but the the one I'll talk about is uh, Free Solo, which um, is on Disney Plus. Weirdly, because they own National Geographic, which this was made for. Uh, I don't know if you know anything about this, but it is a documentary from maybe two years ago, something like that. Um, where there's a guy who is a, uh, doing free solo, which is climbing without ropes. Wow. And he's, he does a lot of this, but he's, he's basically centred around him climbing El Capitan in Yosemite National Park, which is like thousands of feet high, and like no one's ever done this before. So you kind of see him doing a bit of free soloing elsewhere, and uh, you get to see his personal life and his relationships, and uh, and then you see him... Basically, yeah, the, the climax is him attempting to climb this. Um, it is it's very, very good. Uh, I, I recommend it. It's I'm not a climber by any means. Uh, if you've got vertigo or you suffer from vertigo, uh, you probably won't want to watch it. Uh, the, this, the bit where he's climbing El Capitan, um, my hands were, were drenched in sweat. I'm thinking, how is this guy doing this? Um, <sighs> but it's, it's a fascinating story because he um, they, they actually do some brain scans on him. And yeah, they, and they of the amygdala, and they say, "Well, yeah, the things that stimulate uh, most people have no impact on you at all." Um, wow! So, so, I guess that's why he's doing this really crazy stuff um, because he needs that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really well told story. It's, it's, I, I think something that incredible you could probably get away with just showing these amazing shots of this guy thousands of, of feet up in the air, and you'd still get a good film. But it's, I think it's, um, it's even better than that. So. Yeah, okay. Uh, I, well, I would say I want to check it out, but I don't have Disney Plus, so I can't. No. <laughs> Best thing on Disney Plus that I've seen so far, I think. Yeah. How do you find this anyway? Like, uh, I think someone tweeted that Free Solo was on there, because I'd heard of it, because it, I think it won the Oscar uh, for Best Documentary. Ah. Uh, so I had heard of it, and then someone said, oh, you know, this is on Disney Plus, so oh, check it out. Uh, right then, we move on to our main segment of the day, which is films about Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's no surprise to most people that... Hollywood loves film about Hollywood. Yes, they, they really do. do. Like, uh, I was looking at the list of films that I've seen from them. They've either been nominated for an Oscar or won the Oscar for Best Picture. It's, okay. Uh, it's a very common thing. Because I, I am guessing that they could relate to this, relate to the story much more than um, a typical yeah. uh, generic other story that's not about Hollywood. <laughs> no, yes, and I think... Uh, a lot of the stories paint Hollywood in a great light or, or kind of it's the stuff, yeah, this is where dreams are made and all this. Although, exactly. I mean, there are some fairly cynical ones as well, but uh, it, I guess it makes them feel important. <laughs> yeah, it's though they need a lot more of that, right? I, yeah. um, I, don't want to, I don't want to be seen to be mocking um, our Hollywood uh, legends because they give us a lot of enjoyment. And uh, as an as a, a amateur actor myself, I dream, of course, of, of breaking into Hollywood. So if anyone's listening... I have a screenplay. Will you remember me? Uh, I will cast you, Zijan. Uh, in, uh, <laughs> in, in, yes, in all, please, please in do. All, I've, I've now gone from, to be an actor, screenwriter, and director, it seems. Um, <laughs> in, in, in just the span of five seconds. That is it. <laughs> Go dream. Well, <laughs> so, the, the first film that uh, I'll probably talk about 
is probably um, the first film I own on DVD. Oh, yeah. Actually. Yeah, and it's uh, Singing in the Rain. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Old school Singing in the Rain, 1952 film starring Gene Kelly, Donnell Connor, and Debbie Reynolds. I'm not sure how we're going to do this whole segment, to be fair. I was just going to randomly speak about films that I've seen there about Hollywood. So that's why I've chosen this route. Seems as good an approach as any. Yeah. <laughs> so I've chosen I'm sure this I will so... try and draw a grand unifying theory at the end. Okay, okay, fair enough. So if you do something clever, can you just let me know in advance? Uh, yeah, no, I don't Don't hold your breath. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Singing in the Rain, um, for those who do not know, is a light-hearted de- depiction of Hollywood in the 1920s, where it, was, where it was moving from silent films to talkies. And, yeah, back then, it's mostly black and white films, um, and, yeah, and there's no sound whatsoever, I think, apart from some classical music playing in the background, hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Well, indeed, sometimes um, live. I think this uh, this film has a lot of memorable scenes. Uh, obviously, the most famous one is Gene Kelly singing... In the rain, about yes. singing in yes. the rain, about falling in love, with uh, Debbie Reynolds' character. I think uh, it has one of the most difficult dance scenes ever by Donald O'Connor. I mean, oh, he's going up the wall and up the wall. Yeah, I think way back then there weren't any stuntments whatsoever, so he had to do all of them himself, which is quite impressive. And um, obviously, there, there's a lot of you know feedback from the film that Gene Kelly was a very hard director especially on the very young Debbie Reynolds I think mm. he made her cry multiple times uh, on set as well and forced her to learn all the dance steps and obviously I think she wasn't a dancer as much as Gene Kelly was or Donald O'Connor was so was it was not? Hard. Mm. I, I'm not certain she was um, but I think she struggled a lot um, in the making of this film okay. but this film was great though to be honest um, it has one of very it has very good music. Uh, it's for for an old film. It's very watchable. Which I when I say that it's because some old films are definitely not so, on that. <laughs> I, don't, I found this. I found this dragged a bit. Um, so there's some fantastic, as you say, song and dance scenes, and, and the kind of the the, the well known classics, "Good Morning, Good Morning," and, and the yeah, "Singing of the Rain." They're phenomenal. Um, but I don't know, there's one. I, I just the one that sticks to me was. Um, when he's like, hmm, imagine if I were rich. And then they have like this 15 minute. Oh, yes, a 15 minute it's montage. Like, it's like this has nothing to do with the plot in any way. Nope. <laughs> he's nope. just trying to crowbar something in. Because it, it wasn't based on an existing musical, was it? No, I'm no. pretty sure it wasn't. So it did feel a bit padded to me. Uh, uh, I, I forgot all about that. It's been a long time since I watched this film. Mm. So now that you mention it, yeah, you can skip that bit. <laughs> Very possibly. Um, but yes, it's the, I guess for for Hollywood in particular, it's, it's the most, it's possibly the most fascinating period of uh, of Hollywood history. Is going from um, uh, silent, silent films to talkies, exactly, and that kind of a whole uh, new range of things you can do. But also um, the people who had success suddenly, some of them adapted and grew, and some of them didn't and got left behind, and, and yeah. you get to see that. Um, so it's the same ground that's covered by the artist. A, in itself as a silent black and white movie but covering that transition uh, period it won the Academy Award and it won Best Actor for Jean Dujardin who has not gone on to uh, repeat that at those heights but uh, it's um, yeah wonderful wonderful film uh, I think he's great I think Bernice Bernice Birdo something like that um, I got her name wrong but the, the, the female lead is also superb it kind of had this groundswell at the time, didn't it? I think, and I, because I'm going to see, I think, well, wh- why would I watch a maybe it was 2015 film? or something, 2015 silent film, or maybe it's a bit older than that. I um, think it works for this film, though. 
But it does, it does. I think because you could just go and watch an old silent film, which I've I've not really watched any silent films. I don't think, um, apart from that one. Uh, but it, yeah, it captures that time period beautifully. Well, at least as far as I'm aware, it does. Um, and uh, and the kind of the transition the lead actor in particular is is taking. Uh, and then, in fact, to spoil the film, because uh, he, he's he's struggling as a as a voice actor, and then he just goes, "Ah, oh, I can do dancing. People love dancing." Mm. And you you don't know that he was French until the last sentence that he said when he had a French accent. Yes, he, he speaks what two words on thank you or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, what I remember most fondly about this film was that they had a very good dog actor. Oh, they did, didn't they? The dog was absolutely brilliant, and he stole the scene in every you know every bit he was in. He was a very good dog. He was a very good dog, and they, um, his chauffeur called Clifton, I think. Oh, is it? Ah. Um, which is nice. But he's, I always forget the actor's name. I can never remember his name. He's the guy who was in Babe. Um, oh, okay. Oh, I didn't know that. But yeah, it was a very good dog. Like, you <laughs> should watch dog, it just for the dog. Let's alone, go back honestly. to the dog. Do we ever do dogs in film? We must have done dogs in film. We have done animals in film. Yeah, we do animals in film. That's one of the early ones. Yeah. And it's your homeward bound as top anyway. So. Oh, it's such a good film. <laughs> My, um, uh, we, we must have been talking about it recently. Uh, I can't remember why. Well, maybe because I watched um, the original recently, but uh, my good friend Anthony, who who's going to be listening to this, Hyand, he reminded me of that, so he, he sorted it out and watched it with his kids, uh, who had a great time with it. And they've now got a, a hamster or gerbil, I can't remember now, um, that has been called Zazzy, uh, which is broadly this, the same name as the cat in Home Around. So there you go. We're, this podcast, Sijan, is, is naming animals. Yes, I indirectly. I figured that, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was going to put um, Birdman on this as well, but I don't think it's a, it is a film about Hollywood though. It is more about fil- uh, film about theatre and actors rundown. So yeah, that um, doesn't count. Yeah, that doesn't count. So the next film I have is um, your favorite film of all time, La La Land. <laughs> it's not my. It is your favorite film of all time, Colin. Oh, Claim it. Own it. <laughs> my favorite film of all time is Back to the Future. Um. <sighs> um Damien Chazelle, um, Emma Stone, Ryan Gosling, uh, Colin loves this to bits. It's his top mm. film of uh, of, of the all year. time. Yeah, of um, all time of the year. Yes. Uh, Colin loves this film so much. He thinks it's a very good uh, representative. He doesn't like the ending though, because uh, <laughs> let me know if I need to say anything at any point. Just... No, you don't need to say anything. I know what they feel about this film. He doesn't like the ending because he thinks they should get together. Um, but I disagree with him on that because I think the ending suits well the trajectories of the actors and what they're supposed to be doing, the characters, and where they're supposed to be going. And yeah, I, I think also I'm, think... I think I'm coming around. So the first time I saw it, I definitely didn't like the ending. I haven't seen it a couple of times. I, um, I do. I'm coming around to your point of view. Not all films need to end with a love story. Love, love films should, they, shouldn't they? This... Just Damien Chazelle's got a series on Netflix now, hasn't he? Called The Eddie, which is about a jazz club. Oh, um, he does love his jazz, doesn't he? He loves jazz, uh, which I, I definitely want to see, but I haven't got around to uh, yeah. yet. Yeah, I think I, I said this, we've probably talked La La Land to death, haven't we? But um, it, I think it shows some love of of old Hollywood. I mean, it's, it's modern day, but you kind of you have the old sets. You know, they they go um, to the same place that James Dean goes to in. Uh, Ooh, is it Red Without a Cause? And they're watching Red Without a Cause on these scenes, so you kind of see that love for old Hollywood running through. Someone's telling me that LA doesn't look as pretty as La La Land, as it does in La La Land. That is true. Um, I, I've, I've only been to LA once, but uh, large parts of it are a dump. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. There's, I mean, it's 
some of it is so, so tacky. Like, I've been to Hollywood Walk of Fame, which I enjoyed, but it's just souvenir shops all the way down. Um, and a dump is maybe harsh, but I think it's, it's... I mean, a lot of it just looks like any old city. Mm. Enough, really diff- difficult to walk around LA. It's not, it's not a city that's built for walking. I think that's most American cities, to be honest. Is it? Yeah, yeah they're, they're too big and widespread, right? That's why uh, most people own cars there. Yeah, I walked around Seattle, okay, but uh, maybe that's an exception. Next time, films out of Seattle. Actually, I, I I went to Toronto a few years ago, so I'm going way off topic, but hey, why not? Uh, and I absolutely loved it, a great time. And uh, loads of films are filmed in, Te- in Toronto now. Oh, ah. and have been for a long time. Those kind of, I think you get tax breaks in Canada, it's, it's cheaper. So, and it also, there's bits of it that look quite like New York, and there's bits of it that look quite LA and stuff. So, so Suits, for example, um, the TV series is, is based in New York, but it's filmed in the finance um, sector of Toronto. Uh, so, a few things now I'm watching them, like, hmm, oh, I recognize that. Oh, that's, uh, so it's, um, we should do films filmed in Toronto, but only, okay. after, you've, only after you've been to Toronto. Um, Scott Pilgrim actually based in Toronto and filmed in Toronto that's quite rare yeah. uh, okay uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood it's got Hollywood baked into the title uh, I, again I've talked about this because I watched it relatively recently but Quentin Tarantino film um, it was up there as, uh, as a um, in the Oscars last year did very well was it last year? It has to be last year, right? It must be last year. It feels like a long time ago. I gotta say, it seems like another world. Um, it wasn't at all. Yes, uh, it's it's really good. I was surprised because I'm not. I don't like the kind of whole. Um, You're not a big Tarantino fan, anyway. No, I've only seen that in Pulp Fiction. I didn't. I didn't love Pulp Fiction, but this this is a lot less violent, a lot less um, gruesome uh, than Tarantino often is. I think, uh, and again, I love letter not just to old films, but. I think Tarantino, more than anyone else that I've come across, uh, loves all the old stuff, like whether it's garbage or not. So like uh, old B movies, old uh, TV serials that were watched by kids in uh, in three o'clock in the afternoon. He loves it all. He's probably seen it all, and yeah, it's it's, quite, it's fun the way it intersperses um, real actors and fake actors and real things. So they've got some big names. Um, so you got Bruce Lee in there, for example. Um, oh but, wow! Uh, I mean, not Bruce Lee himself, but someone playing Bruce Lee. Yeah. Um, you've got um, Sharon Tate, of course, and then you've got some made-up people, and you've got some yeah real people who are just barely known. This uh, was the one that Brad Pitt won support the actor for, right? That's right. That's right. And did Tarantino win screenplay, or, or did um, or did Bong Joon Ho win screenplay? I can't remember. Now. No, I can't remember. Uh, they're both up, up for it. I, I see. Uh, yes. Oh and, no! Uh, it has to be Bong Joon Ho, right? He won. Probably he, he won most things. Yeah. Um, I've got a feeling that might be the one he didn't win, but uh, I think it might have been Quentin for that one, but I'm not 100% sure. Uh, see, as I seem so long ago. But yeah, I th- some people criticise it being too slow. I didn't feel that at all, actually. I thought it was it was quite, I guess, quite a laconic pace, but it, it suited uh, the lead, lead on the cover. It's very good. Brad Pitt, I mean, he was, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised. He, he was good, but I don't think he was Oscar-winning good. But um, there you go. And it's. I think a lot of people put off because it's based around uh, kind of the Manson family and the and the, uh, and the Manson murders, but it's not without giving away the ending. Um, it's it's not as gruesome and um, tasteless as I thought it might be. Okay. So I take yeah. Even if you're not a fan of Tarantino, I say watch it. And there's one scene you want to fast forward through um, if you don't. Okay. But otherwise, uh, yeah, it's just great love letter to Hollywood. Mm. Yeah. You see, I'm going to struggle here now because I don't have any more. 
films right. that I've seen of Hollywood. Which is surprising. I thought there would be a lot more than that. This is your suggestion, man. Come on. <laughs> I know, right? I thought I would be better at this. So I'm just going to keep talking anyway. I can keep talking. So I was just drinking some water there. Um, I, I, I went to uh, Films About Hollywood Wikipedia page and I've seen uh, loads. So let's talk Argo. You must have seen Argo. I've not seen Argo. No, oh, you should see Argo. So uh, I don't know if it's Hollywood based or not, but it's um, it's based on a true story where there are some Americans in uh, the American embassy in Iran uh, and then the Iranians basically take over. Uh, they escape the country. And, and the way they do it is by pretending so they send you some people over pretending they're making a film uh, and it must be set maybe in the late 70s early 80s I guess because it's a very Star Wars-y film uh, and rather than just having a kind of very light cover story they really go into detail so the storyboarding and they're, they're casting people and then uh, extra and stuff so um, uh, and they're kind of winning various people on board in, in Iran by saying oh yes you can be in this film and oh yes it's going to do great things to tourists and blah blah blah, blah. Uh, and then they try and get them out but it's, it's a really really well made film it won the best picture Oscar uh, in that year which um, I don't know 20, 2012-ish maybe 2012 uh, yeah I think so too Yeah, uh, it was a great return for Ben Affleck who, whose career had been really going well really hit the bottom and then in fact has not maintained that high high, high level so it was a no, kind of a, unfortunately a, it is unfortunate uh, he directed it and starred in it yeah great great uh, building of tension I think I uh, when they try and make their escape, it's, it's one of the yeah the kind of best uh, ways of building character-based tension that I've, I've come across. I feel I could be wrong. I feel that people kind of don't look back on it as fondly as they did at the time. I don't know. Maybe it's because of that that theory that Hollywood loves to reward Hollywood films. But they're saying I do remember reading at the time people saying I can't believe this film hasn't been made before because it's basically about Hollywood Hollywood uh, <laughs> rescuing people like films saving lives. <laughs> how come this one may be? Uh, John Goodman, Alan Arkin, I think. And did you ever watch the ninth series of Scrubs? The the one that we don't talk about. Yeah. Um, the Kate one that Bichet, doesn't exist. Yeah, the, the lead actress from that series uh, is also in it. The only other thing I've seen in it. I, I just remember seeing, seeing the entire film looking and saying, I know her, who is she, who is she? And uh, I had to check afterwards because I did not associate um, the bad series of Scrubs. Yeah, <laughs> no one talks about it. Oscar winning film. It doesn't exist. Um, yeah. There's a um, Zach Braff and Donald Faison have started a podcast. They're doing two a week at the moment, where they go episode by episode through Scrubs. Oh wow! Um, um, and it's it's great. It's they're not afraid to go massive tangents like I'm doing right now for this podcast. Um, but they will sometimes they barely talk about the episode. But they're, they're best friends in real life, and they they're getting cast people and, and directors and stuff onto. The, so um, once you finish listening to your favorite podcasts, he's said movies. Uh, feel free to move on to uh, Fake Doctor's Real Friends, the the Scrubs podcast. Oh, I need to check this out. Mm. I do miss Scrubs. But they apparently they apparently they will be doing season nine, but they've, they've already thrown in quite a few uh, critical comments of series nine. <laughs> Fair. Here's a film called, a film called Trumbo uh, from a few years ago, starring uh, Brian Cranston as as Trumbo is a nickname of I can't remember his real name. Um, this is real name was Trumbo. I think it was a nickname. Uh, he was a screenwriter in Hollywood, uh, and Brian Cranston was nominated for best actor for it. He didn't didn't win um it's definitely he's definitely the best part of the film i think it's a fairly average film but he's very good in it uh it's about a guy who was blacklisted uh, in the uh, mccarthy uh, witch hunt i guess so i don't know how much you know your your hollywood history but this, this period um where they're trying to root uh, uh, communists out of hollywood basically anti-americans uh, okay and uh, and and Trumbo, for whatever reason, it was regarded as being a communist or, or had uh, affiliations that way, and basically was was kicked out of 
Hollywood. But, um, and then so you see the kind of the the outrage and and the pain and what have you. Uh, and then he started coming back writing scripts under an assumed name. Mm-hmm. And so he actually wrote the script for Roman Holiday, which is a fantastic film. Ah. Um, and he won the Oscar, but he wasn't allowed to collect it. Oh wow! Because um, like, because he done it, he won it under a fake name. Um, so it's a great story, and it, it's again looking at Hollywood history, but I guess less. Uh, is it's a dark time in Hollywood history, or well, I guess maybe framed as the way that they fought back against these things. But uh, it was interesting to see the different camps. So John Wayne, we talked last time. I was saying I can't think of many uh, films about actors. Um, or about, about real actors, mm. and this isn't about him; it's about the screenwriter. But uh, but there is an actor playing John Wayne, who was basically the, uh, the biggest power broker. Um, he was on McCarthy's side, it seemed. Uh, in that. So I think it's. I wouldn't rush out and say if it's on. I don't think it's on Netflix. But if if it, it was on Netflix, no, it was on Amazon Prime actually. Um, so if it comes on again, or if it's there, it's it's. It's, it's quite fairly mediocre, right? The film. Yeah, I say Brian Cranston's very good. The film itself is. It's, it's Why fine, is it just it's just not, not told very well? I think it's just it's told quite flatly in some ways. I think it's, uh, it's fairly predictable. Um, apart from I say he's he's very good and, and deservedly Oscar nominated. Huh. Uh, you've seen Hail Caesar, haven't you? No, I've not seen Hail Caesar. <laughs> Colin, I went through the same list as you have. You've seen Teen Titans Go to the Movies. I have seen Teen Titans Go to the Movie. That's that's a very good film. Yeah, I, talk about I, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure how it made it onto the films about Hollywood. No, but I, guess it, I don't think it applies here. I guess, it was on the Wikipedia, but it's kind of about Hollywood, I suppose, but not really. Yeah, very, <laughs> very loosely. I'm pretty sure it won't. Yeah. Like, if, if you consider like five teenage superheroes uh, going back in time to prevent the older DC Justice League from becoming superheroes, a Hollywood film, then by all yeah. means, go ahead. Well, it's all about um, Robin wishes he had a film about himself. Yeah, that's true. Although it's so... So I watched it again recently, actually, because I've been watching um, the TV series. Uh, and here's my objection to Teen Titans Go to the Movies, which is, which is a f- hilarious film. It's good fun. But are they playing themselves on film, or are they not playing themselves? Because they seem to be playing themselves, and yet, early on, Robin thinks that he might have a film coming up about himself that no one's told him about. What's going on there? It, this film, this, this entire thing falls apart. <laughs> do you hate this film now, then? I kind of do. No, I don't. It's a great film. And some amazing Stan Lee cameos as well. Yeah, I know. Um, speaking of, of Ben Affleck um, returns, this is uh, moving on to the next one. Um, it's a film called Hollywoodland, um, which was, I just remember at the time that it was kind of the reviews like, even Ben Affleck is good. It was kind of his, his, his very quiet comeback, I suppose. It wasn't blazing, but it's kind of pushed him on the trail towards uh, respectability. Um, it's a, he plays George Reeves, uh, who played Superman in early uh, TV series? Not to be confused with Christopher Reeve, who played him in the in the film. Uh, so George Reeves, uh, who's um, not the, you know, these days you get Henry Cavill walking out in the gym for uh, twelve months straight and not to play Superman. That, that very much was not the case back then. It's just yep. really podgy guy. Um, anyway, he died in mysterious circumstances, um, and this film is basically Adrian Brody as a detective looking into it, figuring out what's going on. Um, but I just. I thought it was quite amusing to see Ben Affleck in Just as Superman. Uh, it was post Daredevil, and obviously way before Batman. But uh, it was quite a interesting juxtaposition to see um, to see someone whose career had been hit badly by playing, being in a bad superhero thing, seeing someone who playing playing someone who was kind of typecast as a, a Superman. Poor Ben Affleck. Hmm. Um, but there you go. If you ever want to see Ben Affleck in a uh, fairly podgy Superman suit, 
<laughs> That's probably the only opportunity. Season, you must have seen Bowfinger. You've seen Bowfinger, right? Stop saying this how <laughs> things. Bowfinger, aka the last good Steve Martin film. I uh, don't know if that's true. Also, the last good Ava film for a long time before he did Dolomite. Uh, it's from the nineties. It's comedy, which I think probably hasn't held up as well as as it could have done. Uh, Steve Martin is this kind of. Um, uh, he's a filmmaker, but he's very uh, low budget, devious, um, de- immoral, or amoral maybe. Uh, and he's trying to make this film on a really low budget. And he gets in Heather Graham to be in it, and I think he's told an agent that he's getting this film ready, and he needs to make it. Robert Downey Jr. has a has a small role in it. Oh wow! And basically, the premise is uh, Eddie Murphy plays the most famous actor in the in the world, or um, but he's very difficult to work with, I think. And there's no way that Steve Martin could ever get him into a film. But then they discover his twin brother, uh, also played by Eddie Murphy. And so uh, they make the film as a combination of Eddie Murphy's twin brother and filming. Um, the, the actual actor as played by Lee Murphy without him knowing it so they have various cast members going up to him and interacting with him and he's he doesn't know what's going on but they're, they're uh, filming it secretly um, and hilarity ensues hilarity ensues um, it is quite funny um, I think I don't, I don't know if it's really held up but I seem to remember it. what does bug me though and again this is even more petty than my uh, my Teen Titans go to the movies <laughs> complaint um, I say the, the actor is very difficult to work with at one point the um he gets his script and he says the letter K appears in this script uh, and then he says number I don't know 3,426 times whatever it is actually not that 3,425 times um, what, you know what that means? that's exactly divisible by three that means that the word KKK appears in this film blah, blah, blah. Um, and he's always complaining about KKK being mentioned but the number he says does not divide by three sloppy I say sloppy writing you should have told him off about that is he on? Is he on social media? I can get in touch with the. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You need to tell them off about these kind of things. Okay, we're done with this, aren't we? We're done with Hollywood films. <laughs> well, I think you are done talking about this. <laughs> well, you, you, you stopped a while ago, so. Um... <laughs> so uh, you, I think you want... covered at least ten minutes of this podcast with that. I, you, very you appreciative. To, um, you want to my overall conclusion? My overall conclusion is you you, you need to watch more films about Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I do. I really think I do. <laughs> Uh, we move on to our segment Look Back in Oscar where we uh, we talk about a film that has won a Best Picture Oscar in the past uh, because we don't know which ones are going to win in the future uh, and this time it was Amadeus 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 so I shall do some of the talking now Colin you can take some water um, awesome. <laughs> Amadeus is the 1984 film directed by Milos Foreman and adapted by Peter Schaefer from his 1979 stage play is set in Vienna, Austria and is a fictionalized biography of Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart if you didn't know already um, I have to highlight that it's fictionalized biography as well mm. because uh, I'm pretty certain half the things in this film did not happen in real life uh, yeah, though, uh, yeah the film stars uh, F. Murray Abraham as uh, Salieri and Tom House as Mozart this film is told from the point of view from Salieri, who is a competitor and admirer of Mozart's music, I would say. Mm. Um, he was nominated for 11 Academy Awards, winning 8, including Best Picture, Best Director and Best Actor. Both uh, F. Murray Abraham and Tom House were nominated for Best Actor, but um, F. Murray Abraham won, mm. won it. Um, yeah, um, I think when you first uh, propose this film to be watched, um, I've heard of it, obviously, but uh, I didn't expect 
this film to be as funny as it was mm. I have to say um, I think I was expecting like a very serious biography which um, the Academy loves mm. um, but this wasn't at all and I have to say Colin um, I watched the three hour director's cut oh you did okay. of this film because I could not access the original yeah. uh, feature film cut for this film so um, the one on YouTube for those who are looking for one um, is the three hours director's cut okay. which is what I saw yeah so I, I, I've read that um, people did not think highly of the director's cut so, so I, I watched the original which is still uh, about two hours forty so it's not it's not short um, I had to get the DVD out midway through and turn it over and put it back in again that's how long it was <laughs> um, I enjoyed this film yeah, I, I thought it was great. I, I didn't. I like you. I'd heard of it, but I didn't know much about it. I, I kind of assumed it was about Salieri on the basis that I knew he'd won Best Actor, uh, and as you say, it is. It is through his eyes, and it's about their interactions, I guess, and, and how how he thinks about Mozart. But, um, but I hadn't realised they were both nominated uh, until until this week. But yeah, it's it's really good. It's, it's I think so. I say two hours forty kind of zip by. Uh, it I is really, yeah. really. I don't know about the three hour version. Listeners will be familiar with my belief that no film needs to be longer than two and a half hours, and, and I, I think I hold to that. I think it could have, it could have been cut. Well, actually, I was thinking, Nick, yeah, you, you, some of the music sections. I know it's about Mozart, but some of the music sections were, they weren't driving the plot. It was just kind of a, let's enjoy Mozart's music. I did wonder whether they need to be quite as long as they were. Yeah, um, but, but I almost felt Miles Foreman um, criticizing me, or, or I guess Peter Shaver. Um, when there's that scene where the king says to Mozart that it's too many notes and Mozart's like what what on earth is like, oh, too many notes and I was like hmm if I say this film is too long are they, are they, is that the same thing am I, am I the king in this scenario well I think uh, I think the music was necessary for this film obviously it's a film about Mozart you hmm. want a lot of the music to more, actually all the music is from Mozart um, and I think I think the director showed a very keen appreciation of um, his music. I like the way that you know when you when you hear Mozart composing, it's actually it's, it's wonderful. Like you mm. don't think of music that way. Classical music isn't the most um, approachable of music. I think a lot of people struggle to appreciate what classical music is. And when when Mozart you know was explaining things like oh I put an oboe here mm. and then it becomes a clarinet and then you start you know start to see how he composes his pieces and you start to grow well I well at least I had um, a growing appreciation of this music and I'm coming from a musical background as well because mm. I mm. I played piano for a long time um, but yeah I really did appreciate um, the fact that they take the time to explain to the audience how 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 classical music can be made more yeah approachable to the general public I, I, I like that because I, I, I'm not a great listener to classical music by, by any means um, I, I'm aware of, I mean I guess if you're aware of anyone you're aware of Mozart but uh, so I think that was to me the most fascinating thing was Salieri found himself in this position and this is the basic basis of the plot really that um, that he realised that he although he himself was very good that he was nowhere near Mozart's level Yeah. but also that people in general didn't realise that so he's like he was the only one who could see this genius yes. uh, in, in Vienna and uh, I mean he gets very jealous and he so has this this um, competitive side which Mozart doesn't seem to be aware of at all I think Mozart knows the genius and puts down Salieri almost without meaning to yeah, a few times but, it's, but I guess it's, it's difficult for a mass audience because you kind of almost need to be told what is good and what isn't and I thought they did a very good job of that because it, 
they're playing Mozart and it, obviously Mozart's great so you get to enjoy it but then I think when you have the comparison you're playing some Salieri you mm. kind of can tell okay it's good but it's not as good but it's not as good and I thought I did wonder how easy that was going to be because I it's like when you get like um, recording some different orchestras I could not tell like the London Philharmonic versus Bristol <laughs> things I, I just I'm not I don't have that, that ear or, or enough I haven't listened to it enough to know so I did wonder whether that was going to come across on film, and I thought it. I thought it really did. I was going to say that uh, this film is surprisingly very funny as well. Yeah, I, I, I you say that. I don't. I don't remember laughing a lot. I, I I laughed out loud a mm. lot uh, in this film. I think my favorite bit was uh, when Mozart did the. For for all you know, this may be just in the director's cut, so okay. you may not know this bit. But uh, there was a bit when Mozart was having his ballet played without music. Oh yeah, because the emperor didn't like uh, uh, ballet being played with music in that time and age and then when the emperor watch, was watching it he was saying is this modern and i thought that was very funny um but i have All to right. emphasize I, yeah i said i didn't i didn't find i didn't find the film funny i mean i, <laughs> I found it hilarious. I, I didn't i didn't know it was supposed to be for <laughs> me <laughs> but I, I have to do emphasize um in this podcast that this film is definitely a fictionalized biography yes because we keep mentioning the names of Salieri and Mozart and we keep saying that all oh, these things really happened to them but it's yeah. fictionalised mostly fictionalised well yeah because apparently they were friends in real life and there was yeah. no real because uh, this is I mean, I think this is a really good film I think people should definitely watch it but um, and this is spoilers a little bit so if you aren't going to watch it maybe you want to skip ahead but I did feel it got a little bit over the top when um, he had this this grand plan to murder Mozart and uh, I thought I'm not I can see up to that point where he's like deliberately getting him to uh, underperform and to get people to stop watching and stuff, I can see that working as part of this competitive nature. But I, I did, I didn't entirely buy the the decision to murder him. Um, Me neither. I like uh, his monologue though, the old Salieri monologue about not like not liking Mozart, but like li- liking his music. Like he can't help himself. He's yeah. torn. And I, I, really, I thought the framing device really did work well because it's, it's all basically a confession to the priest. Yes. Um, and uh, I, th- actually, I was at first I was really impressed with the prosthetics for 1984, and I kind of still am. I think he looks um, very, very good as an old uh, Salieri. But then I, I spent most of the film trying to work out how old he was supposed to be in the in the main story. Because I looked this up, and Salieri was I think six years older than Mozart. In the film, he looks maybe twenty years older, <laughs> and I don't know. There is one shot where he's got this like jet black hair that's clearly been dyed. And I think is he supposed to be like, like uh, late twenties? I don't. I don't know. I have no idea because I saw F. Murray Abraham, mm. uh, but the actor himself looks much older than Tom Holtz. That's the thing. Well, I say because I mean he was so he, he was forty five when the film was made. Yeah, uh, I don't know how old Tom Holtz was, but he, he was playing twenty, well, tw- mid twenties. But I was like, is that supposed to be the gap? Because it confused me a little bit. And should we talk wigs? The wigs are amazing. <laughs> I love the wigs. I really love the wigs. I think the wigs should have their own show. It's, yeah, I mean, Mozart in particular, he had a great array. There was one guy whose wig was cut so that he had like a re- massively receding hairline, like mo- mostly bald. And I was like, why would you buy a wig that makes you look bald? <laughs> I, don't... I didn't understand that bit. Um... But yeah, if you love wigs, check out Amadeus. Uh, yeah, I must admit, I wasn't sure, like you, I guess, I wasn't sure what to expect from this, and I was expecting it to be maybe quite dry. Um, but it was fantastic. fantastic. Yeah, I agree I think, with it. Yeah, really good. I think we should watch this. Yep. 
Uh, we move on. Oh no! Uh, next time we are doing actor factor instead, and um, well, we look at the films of a particular actor. And this time it's going to be Paul Giamatti. No, uh, I know which film I do not like. Really, there you go. Well, save it for two weeks' time, um, and we will find out. Although I, I know as well. <laughs> um, uh, we move on into our final segment of the day, which is the quiz and the quiz on Wes Anderson, which may or may not be the first time we've done this. Um, <laughs> Uh, I think it is. I think it is. Uh, Zijan, who had an uncredited cameo as a passenger on a bus in Bottle Rocket? Uh, it's probably one of the actors that he works with a lot with. Or it's himself. I'm going to go with himself. Wes Anderson. It is Wes Anderson. Nice. Yeah. Uh, question one. Which of Wes Anderson's films was the first to not use any pop music which dominated his uh, earlier works but instead used original music composed by Alexander Depp Death Plot, winning him the Academy Award for Best Score. This is the longest question on my list. That's so a long question. Um, and I, I did see one that won the Best Score, and I'm trying to remember what it was, and I'm not sure I can remember what it was, which is annoying. Oh, was it the Grand Budapest Hotel? Yes, it is the Grand Budapest Hotel. Um, which of Wes Anderson's films has both the biggest budget and the lowest score on Rotten Tomatoes? Ooh. Ooh. That's a very good question. Thank you, hmm. Most of his films have been very well received, though. That's annoying. Hmm. Yeah, like I can all the films I can think of right now. I'm pretty sure do not have the lowest score. I'm gonna go with the most recent one, Out of Dogs. Uh, no, it's the Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Hmm. I think it was, it was yeah maybe fifty something percent. It wasn't really really bad, but it was it was. Question two. Uh, Rushmore was Wes Anderson's breakout film, but what exactly is Rushmore? Ooh. Uh, is it the school? It is the school. Yep. Mm. It's the name of the school. Yeah, I've not seen it, but I want to. Um, question three. Uh, who played the young version of the author in the Grand Budapest Hotel? Uh, and just so you know, the older version was played by Tom Wilkinson. Uh, isn't the author the, the main character? I can't remember. Or it could be the... Uh, I'm going to go with Ray Fiennes. Is it Ray Fiennes? Uh, it's Jude Law. Oh, it's Jude... oh, yes. That's correct. Uh, question three. <laughs> Which actor has starred in the most Wes Anderson films? Bill Murray. There is Bill Murray with eight, I think, now. Uh, yes, nine when the next one comes up. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, speaking of which, um, question four. What was Bill Murray's first film with when was Anderson? That was Rushmore, right? It was indeed, yes. Uh, question four. Who was the voice of Stan Weasel in the Fantastic Mr. Fox? <laughs> that was Wes Anderson. That is Wes Anderson. Mm, great minds. Uh, I think, and I've already claimed it, but here you go. Question five. Um, who won a Golden Globe for the Royal Tenenbaums? Um, that's Gene Hackman. It was Gene Hackman. Yeah. Um, question five. Um, oh, I'm is... on for a clean sweep. Here we go. What number is also the name of the protagonist of the Grand Budapest Hotel? What number? Yep. Okay. His first name is a number. All right. In which case, I'm not going to get five out of five unless I correctly guess a number. How many numbers can there really be? Not that many. Um, there he... could be first names as well. <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, there aren't any numbers that are actual first names, are there? Um, I, uh, yeah, I mean, it's probably not going to be like 62,412. I'm going to say it is eight. No, it's zero. Is it really? I don't remember yeah. that at all. Okay. It is. Well, it's a uh, it's a glorious triumph for me, Zijan, which um, probably... Is it? I thought we tied. Did we tie? I won this quiz 4-3. 4-3? Oh, 
What? Oh, yes. I definitely don't know count. Okay. Um, so Scorch time for me, as I was saying, and uh, puts us level for the year, maybe? Yeah, yeah I think it does. Yeah. Uh, what are you quizzing on next time, Dijon? We are quizzing on all films based on Thomas Harris books, which is basically the whole Hannibal series. Uh, I see. And Lovely. more. Here's a few more. Um, and what is our main topic for next time? We are looking at quadrologies. Are we? Yeah, the fourth film. Films yes, if, if that's fourth. what quadrology means. We're looking at the fourth installment of in franchises. Is that, is that what quadrology is? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. I'm just picking things up right at this point. That's fine. Um, great. I, and I, just as give a sneak preview, Zijan, I've actually ordered Superman 4 Crest for Peace just so I can ah, watch it for this podcast. There you so go. you're definitely doing a lot more work than I will be doing. <laughs> Hmm. I remember. I remember that from this time. Uh, <laughs> we'll see you then. Bye.